Welcome to In the Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who really have a thirst for growth. My name is David McLennan, and I'm your host, and I really appreciate you listening in. Now, if this is your first time listening in, first of all, welcome. Uh, this podcast is all about growth, and I talk about business growth, I talk about team growth, and and, and personal growth, and. I love talking with people who have gone through their own growth journey and who I really want to learn from. So it's kind of like free consulting for me, and I get to let you listen in as well. Um, But today, I'm talking with a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Melissa Hughes. Uh, Melissa is a self-proclaimed neuroscience geek and the author of two best-selling books, Happy Hour with Einstein and Happier Hour with Einstein, Another Round. Dr. Hughes helps us to understand how the brain works and how to increase and optimize its function. She's a TED speaker, and we will link to her talk uh, that she gave uh, at at a TEDx event, uh, dealing with our inner critic from a brain science perspective, because it is absolutely awesome. Melissa and I met through a mutual connection on LinkedIn, and, and I got to have a conversation with her on my prior uh, version of my podcast, and I absolutely love Melissa's knowledge and her energy, and so I knew that this was going to be an amazing conversation because she really makes neuroscience understandable, and not only understandable, but super practical for, for all of us as leaders who, who want to grow their business and, and connect with their team and and really create a culture of psychological safety. And we, we, we tap into that a little bit as well in our conversation. So today we're going to talk about how we can create the connection that we as humans are wired for and what it takes to overcome the great resignation in your company. So let's go ahead and get into that conversation with Melissa Hughes now. Well, hey, Melissa, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast again. Actually, this is the second podcast uh, that we've recorded together. So welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. And I see that you got my black memo today. So we're I- you know both wearing black. <laughs> for those of you who are on YouTube, you can see we're, we, we're twinsies. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, the good news is you don't have to wear black to listen to the podcast. So. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I, I'm really excited about this conversation today because, you know, as we were talking before we hit record, I mean, you know, you're one of those people that I, I just really um, love to talk with, especially around neuroscience. You know, you're you're a neuroscience expert, and I just think that so much of what we as leaders need to understand is how our brain works. And this time of year, we're talking about goals and goal setting and, you know, all of the new stuff that's around us with the pandemic and how we're adapting to change. I mean, our brain drives all of that, right? I mean, it's, it's like, how do, we, how do we use our brain to the best of, of our ability? And I think that that's a, a, you know, a really current topic that I think everybody's going to be interested in, in hearing about. That's so true. You know, uh, all things being equal, it used to be you hired the best and the brightest. And, you know, there was a there was a big difference in tools and technology. And, you know, we all have the same access to information. So now leaders have to focus on hiring the people who know how to get the information they need to get, not 
the people who already have that information because we can't be experts in everything. And it's yeah. interesting, you know, this, my journey in neuroscience started with how can I be the best teacher uh-huh. I can be if I don't understand how the brain learns. Yeah. And you can take that and extrapolate that out to leadership. How can I be the best leader I can be if I don't know what motivates my people or more importantly, what demotivates my people? Because yeah. you know, that it's equally as important to understand how people, those factors that help us learn and then and engage and contribute and mm-hmm. be part of the team and those factors that just kill all of those things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I mean, I think that that's a really interesting topic in that if we're working, we're remote, some of us may be remote, some of us may be in person, you know, with all of the kind of the the new hybrid work, you know, how do we create the environment and, and how do we overcome having some people who are virtual and some people who are in person and Maybe let's, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, I guess, what are some of our obstacles that we've got to overcome from a brain science perspective? Such a good question. And it's so important right now to your point about this hybrid world we find ourselves in. That's not going to go away. I think a lot of companies have found that people want the flexibility. I mean, you look at the studies of the, of the organizations that really thrived in the pandemic. The Mm -hmm. reason that they thrived is not because work stopped. They sent everybody home. People did their work from home, but their emphasis then became creating a kind of culture that people needed to thrive. Right. So, you know, most people can do their job if they have a computer and an internet connection and a couple pens or whatever. (laughs) You're good to (laughs) go. Pretty much we can do our jobs. The differentiating factor is, do we feel like we're contributing to a team? Do we feel like our work is valued? Do we Mm -hmm. feel connected? Because Mm -hmm. we're wired to connect. And if we don't feel connected, then we are not going to get to engagement and creativity and innovation Mm -hmm. and all of those things that leaders want from their people. So those, when you look at those companies that really did thrive, they said people can do their jobs from wherever, but that means our management, our leadership team has to take, a, has to do a reset. And mm. like, we cannot be micromanagers. Like right. we are not going to go, you know, sit in the driveways of everybody's house. And make Knock sure on the door. Yeah. Right. Or when I ping you and you don't respond immediately, don't assume that that person is not working. Now, yeah. the flip side of that is, and this is all part of psychological safety. Yeah, right, right. The flip side of that is employees then also have ownership in what that looks like. So yeah. I'll give you an example. If I, you give me, you're my supervisor, you give me a project, I work really hard on the project, I send the project back to you, we're virtual. So I don't see you. I don't have any visual cues Mm. of what's going on in your world. Like, I don't know if it's a hair on fire week or, you know, if you're, if you're happy or if you're out, I don't know Mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my office doing my job, right? Yeah. I send you the project. You don't respond. Now, the way the brain works is we are predisposed to go to the absolute worst predisposed for negativity. So, 
I send it to you on Monday. You don't respond on Monday. You don't respond on Tuesday. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. by Wednesday, David probably doesn't like my project. <laughs> by Thursday, I'm pretty sure David doesn't like my project. By Friday, I've convinced myself that you hate my project. Not only do you hate my project, but you hate me. And I'm probably going to be fired. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. Yeah, right. Okay? <laughs> and all of that, there, there may be absolutely no truth in that whatsoever. And here's yeah. the thing. If you're my leader and I did a terrible job on that project, if you're any kind of leader whatsoever, you're not going to just say, I, you're not worth the time uh, for me to, to help you do that project better. You're going to take the time. You're going to give me quality feedback. Right. You're sit down and say, this is not what I was looking for. Maybe I didn't explain it right here. Let me tell you what I was looking for. Or, yeah. hey, this is almost there. A couple tweaks and we can get there this way. I mean, yeah. either way, it doesn't matter because what matters is the way I'm perceiving this dynamic. Yeah. And I think what people forget, all of us forget, is in the virtual world, we are missing all of those social cues. Because mm. had I sent you that when we were in the office on Monday, and I can see that there are all kinds of people in the office, and your bosses are in the office, and so sure. you're tied up in all of these meetings, and maybe there was some fancy lunch catered, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, there must be some really important people in the office today. Now, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion that my work was terrible. Right. Now, I have a few more data points to add to the story. David's right. busy, mm -hmm. and he just hasn't gotten there yet. And... If I pass you in the hallway, I could say, hey, David, did, did you get that email? I sent that project you were looking for. And you could say, oh, my gosh, I've been so busy. I just haven't gotten there yet. Thank you. I did see it. And I'm sorry I haven't responded. Perfectly reasonable, logical. Like, we're humans. Yeah. We can't do it all. Except for all of those things now are taken out of the equation. And I am left with, you hate my work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, right. So without those social cues and without some of those other cues, then our, we can get to a really bad place in a, in a hurry, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we best then, uh, and, and I'm going to come back to this connection piece, but, uh, but how do we best then as a, as a leader, how do we best overcome that or at least you know, mitigate that, that negativity bias that our brains want to go to? So there are, uh, first of all, information is everything. Communication yeah. is everything. I mean, you look at any study out there and people want to be supported, respected. They want transparency. They want to know what's going on. Like we don't like the unknown. Mm -hmm. We don't like uncertainty. Think about the last two years of our yeah. lives have been filled with uncertainty. Uncertainty, yeah. And and the, the brain hates uncertainty <laughs> because, I mean, that's our evolutionary hand-me-down. Like our cavemen yeah. didn't like not knowing what was around that next cave. Yeah. Like they wanted to know what was around that next cave because it was a matter of life or death. While uncertainty is not necessarily that fatalistic, we still don't like it. And we've yeah. dealt with it now for two years. So the one thing that leaders can do is to do their best. Now, you can't take away all uncertainty. Right. But do your best to minimize the mm. uncertainty. Mm -hmm. The other thing to know about uncertainty is there have been studies done. So there was a really cool study done. And the um, participants played this computer game. <laughs> they were hooked up to this minor yet painful electric shock. 
So it doesn't sound much like a game yet, yeah. but it was all in the name of science. So they're playing this game and they had to click on these rocks on the computer. And if when they clicked on the rock, the rock would move. And if underneath the rock, there was a snake, they got an electric shock. Oh, gosh. If they picked up the rock and there was no snake, they got no shock. Hmm. And then sometimes they would be able to see there was like a little uh, clue that there was a snake there. Mm. Now, they're still going to get the shock, but guess what happens when they get that shock and they anticipate that shock mm. is coming? It's not as painful. Yeah, because so, they could predict it. Okay, That's right. Mm. So our stress of uncertainty peaks when it's at about 50%. Okay. So when you think about you're heading to, I am one of those people I hate to be late. Mm -hmm. I hate to be late. So you're heading to a meeting. Meeting starts at two o'clock. You give yourself plenty of time, maybe even enough time to grab a Starbucks before the meeting, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, GPS says you should be there at 1.40. Perfect. I'm in yeah. perfect shape. You hit a traffic jam. Now you watch the GPS go, ETA is now 1.43. ETA is now 1.48. ETA is now <laughs> 1.50. It, My blood pressure is rising as you're saying that. <laughs> that's right. At, at the, as you get closer to that time where you can just make it, mm -hmm. your anxiety level is rising. And what happens in your brain when anxiety increases? Cortisol increases. And what happens when cortisol increases? Activity in the prefrontal cortex decreases. Decreases, so yeah. The brain literally says, danger, cortisol is flowing. That means there's danger ahead. That means I need to shut down the part of the brain that doesn't need to help me survive, which mm -hmm. is the thinking brain. The survival brain yeah. needs to be in charge right now. So it literally pauses activity in the thinking brain to allocate all of the neural resources so that you can survive. When you get to that point where the GPS says, if this traffic jam opens up right now and you leave right now, you will get there at two o'clock. That is the peak of stress. Yeah. Once you get past that and you go, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be late. Guess what? The anxiety starts to go down. The stress starts to go down because then you know you're not going to make it. And then you go, now Interesting. I can call. I can, I can send a text. I can let them know I'm stuck in a traffic jam, you yeah. know, whatever it is. But it's the, it's the not knowing piece. Mm. So unsettling to us. Mm. Once we know, knowing bad news is yeah. far better than not knowing bad news. Yeah. So as, I, as I'm hearing this and I'm thinking about it from a leadership perspective, then communicating any news, whether it's bad news, whether it's good news, whether it's neutral news, just that communication is going to give that predictability to our people and our teams and, and let them know that. X is going to happen or Y might happen, but whatever, but it's going to give that predictability and, and, and relieve some of that uncertainty is, is kind of what I'm hearing you say. That's exactly it. There's a, there's a construct called emotional intensification hmm. and it's surprises good when it's good, surprises horrible when it's bad. So uh, yeah. think about if you get flowers on your birthday. Mm -hmm. You anticipate those flowers maybe coming yeah. on your birthday because it's your birthday. Yeah. And when you get those flowers, those flowers are nice. I mean, that was really yeah. nice. Sure. Get those flowers. But let's say you get flowers on some random Tuesday just yeah. because. 
just because I love you. And the men listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> Take a note. Dialing their florist as exactly. we speak. Exactly. <laughs> because getting random flowers on some random Tuesday, that surprise factor is what creates this emotional intensification. And we can we can experience emotional intensification up to 400%. Wow. Like that emotion can be 400% more intense than when it's predicted. Now, it's predicted, that right? bad emotion can also be amplified up to 400%. Mm. So let's, wow. let's say last year we had lots of, let's take the restaurant industry, yeah. lots of restaurants, you know, had to close. Right. They, you know, they had to go, they had to, they had to do takeout only or pickup only, or then they were at 50% capacity. Now they're back to 25% capacity. I mean, whatever yeah. it is, but I mean, there was some, like, we don't know what's going on, but there was still some sense of predictability. So yeah. when people came in and the boss had to say, listen, you guys, we just can't, we can't stay open. We're going to have to close for a month or mm -hmm. whatever. There was some sense that that was coming. Mm -hmm. Compare that to you walk into the office one day and HR is standing by your cubicle with a cardboard box. Yeah. Had no idea that was coming. Yeah. The emotional intensification of that is far worse than if you had some sign, if you had some signal that it was coming. That it was coming. Yeah. Wow. I think this is really a great lesson for, for every, every leader and, you know, really parents, and, you know, friends, to be able to make sure that we're communicating and giving people, even if we don't know what, you know, what's going to happen, we can, we can at least reach out and communicate and give some ability or some certainty to the other person. I, I always think about just kind of in, in the um, example you used at the beginning, you know, you submitted a project, you didn't hear anything. It's always nice just to be able to have somebody reach back and say, hey, I got it. Busy week. I'll be back to you by Friday. Something along those lines, just to be able to give that predictability so that you don't go in your mind to that negative place. And, and I just think that, that that's something that as a leader, we, we, you know, we, we need to do. It's so true. I, I wrote a piece a, a while back and I included these common behaviors, not just leadership behaviors, just, but yeah. just common behaviors that often get lost in translation, especially in this virtual space. Yeah. So I'll give you another example. If, if my boss never asks me for suggestions or, hey, what do you think about this? Or here's this problem. Do you have any ideas of how we might solve this problem? The translation to me is, well, he must not think that I'm smart enough to come up with anything. Yeah. Uh. And the flip side is he might be saying, I just don't want to bother her with that. Like, I don't want to put one more mm. thing on her plate. Like, right. I don't believe that leaders wake up in the morning and say, how can I make <laughs> this day the most miserable for the right. most amount of people? Right. Like, yeah. I think people, leaders are wouldn't be leaders if they didn't have some sense of wanting to help other people succeed. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a key leadership yeah. characteristic is you want the people around you to succeed, sure. you know? Sure. So that's one thing that gets lost in translation. Like there was a, you know, here we are in the virtual world. If yeah. you and I schedule a zoom meeting mm -hmm. for 
9.30 and I show up at 9.30 and I'm left in your waiting room, yeah. you know, maybe you're really busy. Maybe you're stuck in traffic. I don't know. Yeah. But what gets lost in translation for me is the reality because yeah. where my brain goes is he doesn't think I'm important. He doesn't think what I do is important. Yeah. You know, like, would you leave someone sitting in a conference room for <laughs> a half an hour while you right. did whatever you were doing? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't do that in, in the face-to-face -face world. And so I think, mm. you know, it's the difference between when you send a text, you expect an immediate response. When you send an email, you don't. Yeah. Right. You know, when we have a meeting set in the office, in the conference room B, yeah. you expect people are going to show up to conference room B. But when right. we set a Zoom meeting and people don't show up and then you go, I mean, how many people have said over the last year, what's the appropriate amount of time you should wait for somebody to in wait. Zoom meeting before you bail? <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had yeah. that conversation. With of course. Of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think that kind of coming back to something you said earlier, I mean, I mean this really makes connection even more important. And so you talked about us as humans being wired for connectivity. And I, I think that it's it's one of the reasons why that I've created these inner circles for for, for leaders and and, and uh, people who want to grow to to connect and to be with other leaders who are on that growth journey. How do we best then given all of this this information with communication and our, our negativity bias, how do we best then connect with others? How do we best connect in this virtual world? I think, number one, remember that we are still trying to connect. We still need to connect. And, and just because we're virtual doesn't make our role any less significant. So I think yeah. making sure yeah. that people know, well, even though I'm sitting in my home office, what I am doing for the organization matters. matters yeah. And that can be something as simple as, checking in at the beginning of the Zoom call and saying, hey, how are you? No, yeah. I mean, really, how are you? Yeah. You know, if I'm walking through the office and, and again, it's those social visual cues that are missing yeah. and I'm having a really tough time. Maybe somebody at home is sick or maybe, you know, it could be a million yeah. things. I mean, we all have lives outside of this mm -hmm. space called being an employee, right? Yeah. And so you would be able to tell by my body language or, yeah. I mean, a million things would tell you I'm really struggling. And if you're a caring, empathetic individual, you would say, hey, everything okay? Like, you don't have to share the personals. I just, yeah. I'm here if you need to talk or yeah. you're doing okay. Or, And I think the other piece that is has really become apparent to me in this whole pandemic thing is, I talk to a lot of leaders who say, I don't have the answers. I don't know what's coming next, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and I get that. And I think for those leaders who don't want to say, I don't know, mm -hmm. that doesn't help because, sure. uh, because we have kind of a BS meter. Right. That we yeah. can turn into that really fast. True. And the best Thing you can do for your folks is to admit when you don't know like if uh -huh. there is this big unknown sitting out there say i don't know it could go this way it could go this way it could go this way what do you think we should do in the meantime like yeah. ask your people yeah. to help with 
suggestions, help find mm-hmm. resolutions, even if it's just getting to tomorrow. Yeah. Like, not always going to solve that big thing, mm-hmm. but if you ask folks, what do you need to make today better to get to tomorrow yeah. and give them a sense of ownership? Because the only way that they get a sense of ownership if the, is if they contribute. Yeah. Yeah. If there is no contribution, then there is no ownership. If you think yeah. of, um, we learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs a long time ago, like 1963, yeah. I think, or some craziness. Yeah. But, you know, it was physiological needs, you know, food, yeah. shelter, oxygen, water, and then safety needs, like I'm not in danger. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, and then the third one is belonging. And then the fourth one is self-esteem. And then the fifth one is self-actualization. And when yeah. you think about that, when you align that in a an employee engagement framework, yeah, the physiological, the bottom is they get enough pay to pay yeah. the bills. They're, they're mm-hmm. there to get paid. Right. The second is they're safe. They're not being, you know, there's no harassment. The, there's safe working conditions. Right now, you know, it's about being sanitary and all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. The third one is still belonging. Do yeah. I belong to this team? Do yeah. I feel a connection with people? Do people, you know, really care about me as a person? Do right. I care about other people? Yeah. The fourth one is self-esteem. Am I recognized for my work? Mm-hmm. Am I appreciated for my work? You know, do people ask me for my opinion? Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. Does my boss recognize my efforts in front of my peers? Right. Because studies show that that is worth more than money. Yeah. Because that's a social status now. That social status is also a currency. So yeah. now you've elevated my social status. And then the last one is self-actualization. What can I learn? What can I teach? Mm. And get to that place of self-actualization. And everyone is, what can I learn? What can I teach? Well, now you're a growth mindset organization. Golly, that's so great. I'm 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 so glad that you went there because the, when when everybody is on that level playing field and we're all working our way up those levels of needs, I think that's that's when we can truly have an organization that is going places. And you know, and and, and one of the things I was going to say earlier, I my my train of thought did come back around the loop <laughs> because you were talking about a leader not wanting to admit that they don't know what's coming next. And, and I think that that contributes to the psychological safety. If a, if a, if a, a leader admits that and says, you know, Hey, I, I honestly don't know what could, what's going to happen. And like you said, this could happen, this could happen. And then asking, you know, well, what do you think? That to me is a, a, con- a contributor to, to psychological safety absolutely, and building trust within a team as well, because leaders don't always have the answers. And, no. and that's why we need a team, because we have to have all of these perspectives. And so I think that to that extent, then if we can all help each other, then with being connected to them, having a relationship with, with each of our teammates and helping each other go up that level of, of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's what's going to help us to perform better and as an organization really achieve the mission that we're, we're out to achieve. So true. You know, when you think about individual success, competence, yeah. effectiveness, productivity, whatever word you want to put in there, and then organizational success, 
productivity yeah. and effectiveness. So the best way to make someone feel like it's safe, this is part of psychological safety. There are four quadrants of psychological safety, but one is learning safety. It's mm -hmm. safe for me to raise my hand and say, I don't understand. Yeah. I have a question. I need clarity mm -hmm. on this project or, you know, and it doesn't have to be that big thing looming on the horizon. It could be the thing I'm working on today. Yeah. And when you talk to people who uh, are thinking about leaving, it's, I don't feel like I'm being used the, mm. up to my um, ability. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm appreciated or valued or respected for the strengths that I bring or I don't feel like I have the freedom to say, I don't know how to do this thing that I'm expected yeah. to do. And so I've muddled oh. through it on my own. And then in my head, I know that it's not going to be right. You know, so, so that's one thing. So the best way to get people to feel comfortable saying, I have a question is for leaders to say, I don't know the answer to this thing. What do you guys think? Yeah. Like, yeah. There is a, there is a vulnerability and a humility in that. And, and it's kind of counterintuitive because yeah. we, as leaders like to think, well, we, we can't say that we don't know what we're doing. We can't admit that we don't know the answer. Right. But to your point, I'm a good leader because I have an amazing team around me. Exactly. And if I'm not going to utilize that amazing team when I need help, yeah. then how do I expect them to utilize each other when yeah. they need help? Because that is the difference between a genius mentality and a growth mentality, like the genius mm -hmm. mentality in the, you know, organizational mindset is you got to be the smartest guy in the room. It's every man for himself. And I yeah. sure as hell, I'm not going to raise my hand and give you a bad idea or yeah. the wrong answer. And what we know about innovation is the bad idea flipped on his head is often the best idea. The best in idea. The yeah, yeah <laughs> right? no doubt. And then the other piece I just wanted to bring out that you sparked was you know, mistakes. Do people feel like in that learning safety, do people yeah. feel they are free to share mistakes with right. other people? So if you have 20 people on your team and one person makes a mistake and keeps that mistake to himself because he doesn't feel free to share that. Like he doesn't want anybody yeah. to know that he screwed up and made that mistake. Now, 19 other people could potentially make that same mistake. But if there is a psychological safety in the group, there's mm -hmm. trust. Mm -hmm. People have that, feel that freedom to say, hey, I screwed up and I'm sharing this with all of you because I don't want anybody else to make this mistake. Yeah. And that person is celebrated for yeah. not chastised for making the mistake, but celebrated because they were brave enough to share that with everyone else so no one else has to make that same mistake. The yeah. organization benefits. That's a win for Absolutely. the organization. But so many of us think of mistakes as bad. Yeah. And and they're only bad if no one can learn from them. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was gonna say too, is that when we fail, when we make a mistake, that's our greatest learning opportunity. And it's really one of the reasons why when I'm working with an organization and we're talking about cultural behaviors, I almost always require them to put in a, a, a fundamental or a behavior 
of practicing blameless problem solving because it does contribute to the psychological safety of an organization. And if we practice blameless problem solving, we're looking at the what and not the who. And if we're looking at the what, then we can figure out, was this a process issue? Was is it a process issue that wasn't followed? How do we prevent this from happening, happening again? And then what do we learn from that so that we can get smarter next time? And, and so I think that a lot of organizations think that they've got to be perfect all the time. And that's just not true. Yeah. It's the difference between blame and accountability. Right. If I make a mistake, I'm going and... Uh, the standard in our organization is such that I hold myself accountable, then I'm going to raise my hand and say, I made this mistake. I own it. Yep. And I want to share it because I have enough respect for my colleagues that I don't want anyone else to make this same mistake. The best way for a leader to promote that kind of mentality is to share mistakes. Yeah. I had a boss one time and I will never forget. He came into my office. He was a CEO. I was director of marketing communications. He came into my office. And he was like, Oh my gosh, I totally screwed up. And you know, I, it, the task doesn't even matter. Yeah. Can you help me? Of course. What did what? Yes, of course. And so he shows me the thing and I help him fix it. And I spend like, in, I was going to spend as long as it took to get him out of the weeds on that yeah. thing. And yeah. when I did, he was so grateful and he was so appreciative. But what elevated me more than the after the fact gratitude was the fact that he trusted me enough to say, I screwed up and yeah. I need help. Mm-hmm. Because that is not the person we want to put out for the world to see. We want to put the confident, confident yeah. person out there. Like I got right. it all buttoned up. Right. 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 And I never worked harder for anyone than I did for that man. Yeah. Because, you know, he put his pants on one leg at a time, just like me. And he trusted me. Yeah. And there's a neurological golden rule that says, if I trust you, then my brain is going to produce oxytocin and I am going to treat you in a way that you can trust me. Oh, yeah. And it is really true. If you really want to take this to the next level, like get dig into organizational trust. Paul Zak yeah. has done a lot of work with trust. But it all, psychological safety is kind of sits on that pillar of trust. Right. If people don't trust that, they can make a mistake or mm-hmm. that they can ask a question or, you know, that they could share something that they've learned, then there is no trust. Right, they, right. There's no trust the people around them. Well, and I think that everything that we're talking about here today is really the antidote for the great resignation that everybody's right now kind of thinking about, well, what else is out there and what, you know, Maybe I'm going to go someplace where I do feel valued. Well, the antidote to that feeling is to build trust and to grow psychological safety within our organizations. And when we do that, then we're going to prevent this turnover and this loss of great talent that we have that maybe we've overlooked. And I think that this is, you know, the the brain science behind this is something that we can all use to make sure that our organizations are operating at their their best capacity and they're and, and fulfilling our mission as well. 
Yeah, when you realize what's going on inside the brain of an engaged employee, it has little to do with what they're doing, but it has everything to do with this kind of circular kind of process of teaching and learning. People who are really engaged are sponges to learn more and they mm -hmm. want to do better. And they're, they're like, they don't just celebrate the things they do really well. They want to kick it up a notch. Yeah. And those are the folks that are really engaged. And to do that, you have to be both a teacher and a learner. But if you think mm -hmm. about the traditional model of mentorship, the traditional model of mentorship is the old guys at the top <laughs> taught the young guys at the bottom and everybody mm -hmm. had their place. Yeah. Here's the thing. Why bother bringing in those bright young people if you're not going to tap into them and let them be teachers too? True. Yeah. yeah. You know, so let those yeah. new I'm going to say it, let those new kids show off Yep. because they do have skills that we don't have. They grew Absolutely. up in a completely different world. So everybody needs a place to shine and mm. teach and learn. Yeah. And I think the leaders set the tone for that by saying, help me learn something. Yeah. Teach me something. Mm. You know, when, when you give in the classroom, you know, it's a, it's a, classic teaching strategy you give the kid who is kind of at a c the task of teaching everybody else because guess what in order for that kid to teach that thing he's got to know that know it. <laughs> yeah yeah so in the process of him learning how to teach it he's learning it right isn't that yeah so as a leader when we when we allow our new people our young people to be able to teach us we're helping them to learn some things as well. And I think Absolutely. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's so, so great. Melissa, I, I could go on for hours uh, talking about this because I think that when we understand our brain and our brain, the brain science, it can help us so much, not only in our own growth journey, but in the growth of our organizations. And I think that that is something that if, if, if great leaders want to grow their company, and they want their people to grow, then they got to understand the neuroscience behind humans. I mean, because let's face it, organizations are humans, right? <laughs> and uh, So tell everybody how they can connect with you. Before we started recording, I was talking about your newsletter. You've got an amazing newsletter. I always read it. And um, so how can people connect with you? Uh, well, you can sign up. So I send a neuro nugget out. I try to send it out every Friday. It doesn't always happen every Friday. So forgive me <laughs> if I miss a week. Uh, but it is not salesy at all. I'm a nope. terrible salesperson, just so you know. I don't do that well. But I do give you some little neuro nuggets about some fascinating factoid about the brain and how to make it work better. So you can sign up for that on my website, which is melissahughes.rock. Love it. Melissa Hughes dot rocks. I forgot about the, uh, about, about the, uh, dot part. Yeah. Rocks. Okay, cool. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes as well. And I, I want to tell uh, everybody as well. So Melissa, we didn't even talk about this, but Melissa did a Ted talk last year and it was amazing. Um, for, for those of you who are in the emerging leader inner circle, um, you know, that we talk about imposter syndrome. It's, it's an amazing talk on imposter syndrome and, you know, that, that inner dialogue. So I just want to make sure you go out and it will probably link to that. No, not probably. We will link to that as well, because it's a, it's a great talk. And, and I was so, so, so proud of that talk because I thought, boy, this is something that everybody needs to know. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks again for being here, taking the time uh, out of your day to, to to share with our community, and uh, really grateful to to learn from you as always. It has been my pleasure. Thank you, David. Well, I knew this was going to be such a great conversation with Melissa, and there were really so many great takeaways for for leaders in learning to use our brain and the neuroscience uh, around it, because. If we're going to overcome the obstacles in our environment right now, the, the the hybrid work world, the great resignation, we're going to have to use those. And and so being able to apply some of the things that we talked about in this conversation to allow for and create psychological safety and a thriving culture is really important. And I thought that there were a couple of key takeaways that stood out to me at least and and first and foremost i thought was just the fact that as human beings we are all wired to connect and so that feeling of connection if we want to overcome this great resignation if we want to mitigate some of the things that are leading to resignations right now we have to make sure that our people feel connected and we certainly as leaders cannot be micromanagers in this environment we have to be able to trust our employees and quite honestly that's another element of of what we talked about is just that trust and bringing that level of trust to uh, all of our relationships. And as employees, we have ownership in this environment too. And, and we have to be able to understand the context that we're in and understand our natural bent towards that negativity and that negativity bias. And, you know, as a leader, I just think that being able to communicate in this environment is such a key component for this ability to to really stem the tide of this great resignation and really learning to be proactive and and reaching out to to overcome that lack of our visual cues and our social cues that from being in the office uh, that that um, Melissa talked about I think is really important I think that being able to proactively talk about things that are coming or that are um, challenging us as an organization and paying attention to that level of uncertainty in the organization is something that we as leaders need to be be doing. We need to learn to communicate, again, proactively just to help provide some of those levels of, of certainty, uh, at least where you can. I mean, I, you know, and, and I thought the interesting thing was that, that she shared was that even if it's bad news, that and any kind of surprise is is amplified. So surprise that's really good, it's really good. <laughs> and when surprise is bad, it's really bad. And so I, I think that just being aware that our common behaviors that that get lost in translation is really important. So just be aware, leaders, as 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 you navigating leadership in this new environment. And then, you know, just enduring trust and building trust within an organization, within a team, within leaders, it requires being vulnerable and admitting when we don't know something and, and asking for help. I've talked about that a, a number of times, but but leaders who are humble are going to build trust and provide that psychological safety for for their team and and really it's all about having those relationships with our people and when you do that when you have relationships with your people and you build those relationships and you really connect on a human level you're going to be able to build that growth mindset into your organization which of course will then allow you to grow at a much better pace just 
An another note here, I think that's really important from this conversation, being able to share mistakes and, and practice that blameless problem solving that I talked about is going to provide that safety net and that safe psychological safety within your organization. It's also going to help to, to grow trust because when we are at a place where we are able to admit our mistakes, then we can trust each other. And I loved that neurological golden rule that she shared that if I trust you, my brain will create oxytocin and then I'm going to treat you in a way that you can trust me. And then that then provides more psychological safety. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy and a self-fulfilling process. So I, th I just think that this conversation was really key to allow us to understand some brain science and really create the antidote to the great resignation. And, you know, I think that her, her point about everybody needing a place to shine, um, allow your people to sh show off and, and shine leaders, trust them, give them opportunities and allow them to really be able to be fulfilled within your organization. I just want to offer my thanks again to Melissa for, for joining me on this conversation. She's really a wealth of knowledge. I hope that you'll go out and check her information out. Sign up for a newsletter. I, like I said in the, in the, in the session, I, I read it every Friday. It's, it's, it's a great neuro nugget, I think is what she calls it. And uh, it's, it's a great piece of neuroscience every, every Friday. And you can, you can do that by going to Melissa Hughes dot rocks. I love that domain dot rocks, Melissa Hughes dot rocks. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So thanks again for, for joining me here on this, this edition and this episode of in the growth space until next time, stay in that growth space and be well. Mm -hmm.